Hello and welcome. Dr. A here with another episode of Things That Matter. In this episode, we are going to look at the apprenticeship, which is making a comeback as a strategy for building a skilled workforce. The author Harley King writes that all things old become new again. This is certainly the case with the apprenticeship. In his 2014 State of the Union address, President Obama spoke of the value of apprenticeship job training. So tonight I've asked Vice President Biden to lead an across-the-board reform of America's training programs to make sure they have one mission, train Americans with the skills employers need and match them to good jobs that need to be filled right now. That means more on-the-job training and more apprenticeships that set a young worker on an upward trajectory for life. It means connecting companies to community colleges that can help design training to fill their specific needs. And if Congress wants to help, you can concentrate funding on proven programs that connect more ready-to-work Americans with ready-to-be-filled jobs. Later in 2016, the Obama administration invested $90 million in apprenticeship training programs for individuals who did not wish to or who could not afford to attend college so that they could get good jobs. This was an important investment given that, to date, Americans are more burdened by student loan debt than ever before. In 2017, President Trump announced a $200 million increase in apprenticeship funding and issued an executive order that expanded apprenticeships in America. Later in 2018, he established the National Council for the American Worker and the American Workforce Policy Advisory Board. For some time, employers have complained that there is a skills gap, meaning that they can't find workers to fill highly skilled jobs. So now industry leaders are being tapped to be part of the solution. That's why in a few moments I will be signing an executive order to establish the National Council for the American Worker. That's a first. This council will be made up of top officials across the government. We're also establishing an outside advisory board of industry leaders and experts. Our task will be to develop a national workforce and strategy to equip Americans of all ages and at all stages of their career with the skills they need to thrive in the modern economy. 1199SEIU Training and Employment Fund, which is governed by 1199SEIU United Healthcare Workers East, is one of the organizations that is already in the forefront providing registered apprenticeships in the healthcare industry, an industry that has not done so traditionally. Rebecca Hall, the Assistant Director for the Fund's Workplace Skills Program, describes the Fund Community Healthcare Worker Apprenticeship. So we began this journey a couple of years ago, and um, our organization is quite unique in that we work both with labor and management, and so we have um, a very large, uh, well-reputable union, 1199 SEIU, representing healthcare workers, and we have hundreds of hospitals, nursing homes, home care agencies, and so coming together with a couple of key stakeholders, we really identified that there was an issue and a challenge in some of these emerging titles and roles, and that registered apprenticeship might be the solution to that. Um, and so we worked diligently with our partners to come up with a program that really fit the industry needs and the health needs, uh, particularly with Bronx Care in the South Bronx. 
And we're very proud of where we are now a few years later. We have over 70 apprentices who've gone through the program at Bronx Care alone. And these are folks who are well-trained and well-paid and well-respected within their community. Sometimes the terms internship and apprenticeship are used interchangeably and no distinction is made between a registered apprenticeship and one that is not registered. Samir Fayez, the fund's workforce development consultant, talks about why distinctions are important. I think the most fundamental difference, particularly when you're talking about registered apprenticeships, so that means registered with either the state or the federal government, is that apprenticeships guarantee a, a wage, and as you know, internships do not. And so I'd say that that would be the most fundamental difference. Um, that um, and the fact that uh, apprenticeships cater, I think, more towards the adult population of the workforce rather than a more traditional student body. Um, so it's wonderful to give those folks that may have not ever attended college or have attended college or some college years and years before to give them that kind of soft landing within uh, higher education that apprenticeship offers. For our community health worker program, for at least the first couple of cohorts, it was solely registered with the United States Department of Labor Office of Apprenticeship. Now, when you register programs with, the, um, with either the state or the federal government, that provides certain guarantees. Now, it provides a guarantee that the apprentice will be supported by a more experienced journey worker while training. It guarantees that the apprentice will get wage increases for skilled gains, which is incredibly important. Um, and it guarantees some sort of quality standard, particularly as it relates to workplace diversity. So one of the things you particularly notice in New York State is there's a paperwork concerning affirmative action, right? That they want to know that minorities, people of color, and women are getting an equal opportunity for these apprenticeship slots. Now, small-a apprenticeship that's not registered with um, New York State or the United States Department of Labor to the best of my knowledge, does not guarantee these sorts of things. So they can call apprenticeships or certain workforce programs apprenticeships, but, but without those uh, worker guarantees, I think they fall flat. And I think that's kind of what you're seeing with President Trump today um, and his attempts to kind of roll back uh, government oversight of apprenticeships. The Registered Apprenticeship Program provides benefits to individuals and to the community as a whole. However, it's not without its challenges. Rebecca shares her views about the program's benefits and its challenges. This is not your father's apprenticeship. And so when we look at our community health worker programs, many of the workers were incumbent workers within the Bronx care system. They came from positions in dietary, in housekeeping, in transportation. They were looking for potential career paths but maybe didn't know where they were going or what they would do and yet they come from and know the community of which they're serving now in the South Bronx and I think in this kind of role it is so important to know and have the cultural competencies to serve this population and so what wound up happening is it invigorated not just the apprentice workforce but the incumbent workforce as well who served as mentors who found themselves providing uh, leadership to folks in a way that they hadn't before. And so we have many success stories from that group of 70 who do incredible work on the ground every day, working to improve the health in a very tough area. 
think with anything new, there's a challenge. So years ago, when we began to talk to our employers about apprenticeships, um, there was not a lot of interest or there was a fear around it. You think of apprentices, you think of plumbers and carpenters, you think of blue collar, white men. And so I think a lot has changed even in the last three to five years that I've seen in terms of our employers overcoming some of the challenges. Having said that, it's some of our um, most progressive employers who are willing to be those pilot sites. And so we work with large and small health systems and it's been a leap of faith. And there certainly have been challenges. I think working through the logistics, the unforeseen problems, as with anything new, um, and certainly overcoming the stereotype of what an apprentice is. I think we have new challenges in the future, but I think that, I, again, I've seen the real change in just the last couple of years. Samir also shares his views about program challenges. In the case of the Community Health Worker Apprenticeship, we work with LaGuardia Community College through their Adult and Continuing Education uh, Division, and they've had a long-standing community health worker program, training program, uh, for which they've, they've uh, graduated several cohorts. And so when we part partnered with them, um, there was a lot of newness that I think everybody needed to get used to. One, of course, being that they will teach classes on-site in the Bronx instead of on their site in Queens. Um, so that meant that they had to sort of get used to the uh, facilities there. Um, they had to get used to the kind of picadillos that come with actually teaching on site at a hospital as opposed to an educational institution. Um, so these were some of the early growing pains, I think, um, when we're talking about the kind of educational component of the apprenticeship. But I do want to kind of um, emphasize, as, as Becky did, that, that we're learning from these things and that we're responding to them. And so I think that in partnership with the Guardia Community College, we're, we're looking to find ways in which um, we can more adequately, I think, link the apprenticeship model of training to their pre-existing curriculum so that uh, customization um, is done in, in a more seamless fashion. Uh, to, to respond to the needs of the apprenticeship in, the, in that training model. Earlier in the podcast, you heard President Trump say that apprenticeships will provide career skills to all Americans at all ages, at all stages of their career. Samir explains how 1199 SEIU Training and Employment Fund does this. Of particular note is the fact that individuals in their 60s are apprentices in the program. Because according to the March 2018 Department of Aging Finance report, seniors represent a fast-growing segment of New York City's population. And by 2040, more than one in every five New Yorkers will be 60 or older. Seniors are also living longer, and many may not wish to sit around twiddling their thumbs and their toes. By and large, uh, the demographic makeup of our apprenticeship, apprentices in our community health worker program are um, adults. Um, they're women, predominantly women, uh, predominantly women of color. Uh, their educational backgrounds are all over the map. Uh, this last cohort of apprentices had a, um, a woman who uh, comes from the Ivory Coast who actually has her master's degree. Um, and you have some other folks in the program uh, who are in their late 60s who have never attended college. Um, you have some younger folks who are 
you know, may have done some college, received an associate's degree within the CUNY system, um, weren't able to get an entry-level job in healthcare positions because they lack the kind of experience necessary. And so what you end up seeing is uh, the apprenticeship bridges that gap, what we call the school-to-practice gap, because it combines both education and um, workforce training and employment. In light of Trump's administration financial support, and the addition of industry leaders as apprenticeship stakeholders, is there likely to be an increase in apprenticeship programs across industries? Here's what Rebecca has to say about this. Um, I do think they'll be expanded, and I think just because you had a reality show called The Apprentice doesn't mean that you know how to really run one or what it takes in the real world to make it a good job and a good career path for someone. And so we are big advocates of registered apprenticeship, capital R, capital A. And as Samir spoke about earlier, I think one of the biggest challenges will be ensuring that there are standards around apprenticeships. Uh, Apprenticeship as a model, as a workforce model, is not new. But ensuring that it really is a job uh, with a, a living wage, with a wage progression, with a career path, with that mentorship is very important. And I do think that we see the expansion into many other industries in healthcare and IT and manu- advanced manufacturing. But I think we need to be very vigilant that there are funds, but there is also oversight to what a true apprenticeship is and that it is first and foremost a job and that it's good for that worker and good for that employer. Because without that, we worry that that there is a great interest in this administration, but that the quality may not be the same. Because we work with 1199 SEIU standards um, in terms of making sure that there are quality jobs and quality cares first and foremost. And so that is the power of the union and the power of labor and management working together in a cooperative fashion towards the same goals. And so our standards included ensuring that, uh, that these were real permanent jobs with the wage progression, but also that beyond the apprenticeship as 1199 members and part of the training and upgrading fund, Our mission is to ensure that workers have the opportunity to advance and to train and to educate themselves throughout their entire career. So what we found is many of these apprentices have uh, gone back to school following the apprenticeship or continued their studies and are embarking on a real career pathway, looking at um, getting a degree in social work or in nursing. And I think that's the real beauty of it because sadly in this country education is a privilege and not a right for everyone and, and fortunately here in New York City and for an 1199 SEIU worker I think the standards are built into the model by virtue of, of being the union member. So what are 1199 SEIU training and employment funds future expansion plans? Rebecca shares these with us. Being a health worker was a great and is a great experience. We know that it's an emerging title and role, particularly here in New York City and New York State, as a result of healthcare reform. But that healthcare as an industry has so many occupations, and we're excited about our work on registered apprenticeship and other titles. So we've been diligently working on a medical coder apprenticeship. We have about 25 folks who've been in a pre-apprenticeship with the CUNY School of Professional Studies for the last two years. We're also working with Northwell Health on a large central sterile tech registered apprenticeship. Um, Our colleagues are working on a GAP home health aid registered apprenticeship. And so I think Uh, The possibilities are endless, particularly in healthcare, to use the registered apprenticeship model to improve care and improve the workforce. 1199 SEIU Training and Employment Fund is one of the healthcare industry leaders 
that has recognized the importance of providing on-the-job training to ensure high performance. Employers across industries should consider adopting this approach instead of always expecting to find ready-made workers. Thanks once again for tuning in to another episode of Things That Matter. Remember to share the podcast with your friends, your family, and your colleagues. And don't forget to check out the next episode.